This is a podcast from Minute Media. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> I thought I thought he had something, and then I realized his first three wins were the Jaguars, the Jets, and the Giants, um, and it's just been downhill from there. So I'm done. I think he's uh, unless something really drastically happens, I think he's just going to be a great career backup. This is Big Man Bets as we head into week eight of your NFL season with the Hall of Famer Orlando Pace and the seven-time Pro Bowler Nick Mangold on that Hall of Fame ballot. Both officially making you money this season. We've done the tally, which is uh, exciting news today, and we're all hopefully entertaining you as well, discussing the big news each week. We're starting with a big topic today, putting you on the spot a little bit here with which player has been the biggest disappointment this season as we go into week eight? We've got big names on the list like Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, Allen Robinson, some of the rookie quarterbacks, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and then a, a guy that uh, you know used to play for your New York Jets, now scuffling along in Carolina, uh, Nick and Sam Darnold. Uh, I'll let you start off your biggest disappointment so far for you guys uh, as we are entering or getting close to the midway point of the season yeah you know i look at it and um you know i go back and forth my two that i'm holding right now um and they're for very different reasons so my first one patrick mahomes um and while i can't say that he's a disappointment i think he's trying to do too much and so that's where the disappointing part comes in um where you know he we're used to seeing him make these magical throws and just being all worldly and now having to kind of compensate for that defense, it's, it's holding them back. The other one is Sam Darnold, um, not because of anything previous, you know, his tenure at the New York Jets wasn't great. Um, didn't know what we're getting coming in the season. He started three and zero and was playing really well. He's now, you know, just losing left and right. So that comes into a disappointing part. So it's tough. I'm looking at both of them, but right now I think when you're talking about preseason expectations, I got to go with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, Nick, I agree with you. Uh, just because, you know, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes was the greatest thing we've ever seen at quarterback. So his expectations are naturally higher than every other quarterback in the league. And when you see him leading the league in interceptions, uh, that makes him probably the biggest disappointment uh, of the season this far. And to your point, Nick, he's trying to carry so much of that team's load in terms of, you know, their defense, if he didn't have a good game and he didn't have a good game last week, you see what happens uh, to their ball club uh, when he doesn't perform well. Uh, it looks great when he makes those sidearm throws and those no-look throws when you're winning ball games, but when you're throwing an interception, doesn't look that good. I, I, and I also tend to give the, the uh, rookie quarterbacks a, a pass this year. Uh, but the one I would say is, is Trevor Lawrence because he's been touted to be the savior of the NFL for the next 10 years. Um, and, and he hadn't really performed up to his, his stature too. And, and, and I think sometimes it's coaching to blame a little bit because some of these guys aren't put in great situations where, where coaches are, are there to develop some of those young quarterbacks like Justin Fields in, in Chicago. So I tend to give those rookie quarterbacks a pass for being a disappointment. A couple of the numbers on Mahomes, he's got 11 turnovers now through seven games. So first seven games, 18, 19, 20, he had seven total. 
the nine picks. He's got 24 in his career interceptions in four seasons. So, I mean, if he stays on pace, he could he could beat that this year. Are, are you guys expecting that he's going to turn this around and the Chiefs are going to get going here? I don't want to make any excuses for Patrick, but I did watch a few of their games, and a lot of receivers are dropping balls. Whether, you know, obviously, I know Tyreek Hill dropped a few and probably caused a couple interceptions. So, but you still got to take those as interceptions. I think their defense is so bad. I don't think they have a chance at coming back this year uh, and, and, you know, being Super Bowl contenders at this point. Yeah, I, you know, I look at it and uh, I have Tyreek Hill on my fantasy team, and that has been an absolutely disappointing uh, extravaganza. Um, and so, you know, I, I was expecting big things out of him. Um, I, I still think because of what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do, that there is hope for the turnaround, um, you know, because the defense, you know, I don't know, and this is me not knowing Kansas city, but I don't know if it's a scheme or if it's players, you know, if it's players, you know, we're done seasons over anyways, um, you know, we'll move on to 2022. If it's scheme that can get corrected, those things can be adjusted. You know, guys can stop making the mistakes that they've been making. And so the turnaround is a possibility and I'm going to bank on, the experience of Patrick Mahomes and what we've seen out of him and his history of just being a dynamic player in the NFL. I'm going to take that and say, yes, he's going to turn it around. Are they playoff contenders? Uh, but at least I know they will turn around and, you know, we're going to get some good wins out of them. Over under on the chiefs wins is nine and a half right now. So Vegas is very confused whether they're going to make the playoffs as well. Uh, as far as who you would bet on to turn it around in the second half, I mean, we're talking Patrick, but Zach Wilson, he's out right now, but uh, is expected to come back four touchdowns, nine picks. Trevor's got seven touchdowns and eight interceptions. Justin Fields has got a QBR of 16.7. Allen Robinson has one touchdown catch. He's got 10 and 23 catches on the year. Uh, Jalen Hurts is up and down. Baker's got the lowest QBR of his career. If, if you were to bet on anybody turning it around in the second half, uh, or the rest of the way is anybody is it Patrick or does someone else jump to mind I think I think it's Baker Mayfield uh, I think he just has a, a ton of talent if those guys can get healthy you know you get Odell Beckham you know you, you get that 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 offensive line healthy again I think uh, he can go out and have success because he has so much talent around him. their defense is playing well too they have a lot of talent on the other side of the ball that'll help eight in that game once you get Nick Chubb back in that running game I think that'll be beneficial for Baker so I think it out of all of those guys, in my opinion, I think Baker probably has the best chance because of talent and uh, that he has around him to turn it around. Um, I, I, and I hate to do this, I have to agree with Orlando um, because as we all know, I'm Brown's hater, uh, <laughs> but they are, the Browns are in the best position for a turnaround. They have a fantastic running game. You know, uh, when they get healthy, they'll be able to continue to do that. So there won't be as much pressure on Baker Mayfield. Um, and so he will have that to lean on. Um, and they do have a pretty stingy defense. So I think of all the, the players that are out there, um, you know, I look at like Trevor Lawrence. I just don't see Jacksonville doing anything. Zach Wilson being hurt. Uh, how you come back from injury and everything that goes in with that. You know, you never know. Justin Fields and the Brown, I think um, the Brown or the Bears are just, I, they're a dumpster fire. So they're not going to figure anything out. Um, I put Baker Mayfield as, you know, the person that's going to be able to turn around because of the pieces around him and his, you know, overall talent pieces around him are going to help out and, and, you know, facilitate that turnaround.
All right, gentlemen, we're going to topic two, and this is a, a challenging one for you. We're looking at Deshaun Watson, all the talent in the world, but 22 civil suits levied against him, and we keep on hearing the trade rumors. Uh, Houston talking to Miami, Carolina. Uh, we've heard Philadelphia. No, I mean, number one, like to put yourself in, it's it just as players. Would you want, if you were quarterback star of team, would you want Deshaun Watson? Could you welcome a guy like that with open arms? Listen, I, you know, it's tough as uh, a guy that's played on teams with, um, you know, missing a quarterback position a little bit here and there. Um, it, it would, it, it's very difficult. And you look at it as, you know, we live in a world where you're innocent until proven guilty. The thing that I'm intrigued by um, as an outsider looking in, and then probably as a player too, is as this has all been going on, why is it taking so long? I feel like these things should have been figured out um, because there is no idea, you know, your team could trade for Deshaun Watson. You're like, hey, listen, we just got this great young talent. Um, he's going to be coming in. And next thing you know, like a week later, they're going to be like, oh, you know what? On these criminal charges, civil charges, all this has come down. NFL is now suspending him for a year. You know, what are these things going on? Why is it taking so long to get to that point? Because I think that's the biggest thing that's hanging over people's heads is that they have to sit there and wonder, like, is he, you know, did this all really happen? Did it not happen? Is he even going to be able to play for us when we do trade for him? Um, all those things are up in the air. And, you know, I always looked at it, especially at the Jets, when people were coming in and out, no matter what went on previous teams, whenever you came into our locker room, you know, you got a clean slate. You got to prove who you are. Uh, but this one, you know, when you're outside talking about the courts and the legal system, um, I think that stuff needs to play out. And the fact that it hasn't is pretty disappointing because you just, you have that unknown sitting there knowing you could have a great quarterback, but he also could not be playing for it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think uh, one thing that, probably the most important part is Deshaun probably needs to get this behind him, right? If there are civil, 22 civil lawsuits, hey man, cut the check uh, and, and, and let's get on to playing football and get on with your career. Cause that's what it's going to end up being anyway. Nick, you know, this probably as well as anybody with that many lawsuits, you're just, you're just prolonging the process at this point. Um, so, you know, but if I'm a player in that locker room and I, and I, we need a quarterback, uh, he's a, he's a guy who has the skill set to go out that can really change a, a franchise. He's done wonders with Houston when he was on the field playing, and they had limited talent. So if you had if you're a ball club or organization uh, that that needs a quarterback that that's mobile and, and obviously you know, you know off the field issues aside, you know obviously he should you know we, we I would welcome welcome him into my locker room, clean slate as long as he performs well does what he needs to do in the community, he'll be fine with me. I'll throw a team out there that nobody's talking about that I think should probably be calling the Texans now, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think this is a great opportunity for a team like that to say, hey, Big Ben's probably got one more year left. If Deshaun comes, we make a trade for Deshaun. He can sit eight games and then be prepared for, be ready for next year. And then you have your future at quarterback with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin, that organization, what they've done. So that may be a good fit for him that nobody's talking about. You look at it, and Pittsburgh has dealt with the civil lawsuits and their quarterback <laughs> already. So <laughs> they're in a great spot. They know how to handle it. Yeah, yeah. 
And the only other place he goes to Dallas Cowboys, but they don't need a quarterback, and they they've dealt with a ton of suits with players and issues and all that stuff too. So, <laughs> got your Cowboys dig. I love it. <laughs> so, based on all that, are you not surprised then that there are this many teams apparently interested in him? I mean, no one's pulled the trigger, so maybe they are interested, maybe they're not. But we're certainly he hearing the rumors that they are. I, I think if the NFL came out and make a stance that whether it's going to be six games, whether it's going to be eight games, uh, more teams will probably be involved in terms of, you know, obviously making a trade for them. It, I guess it's just the unknown. You don't know if you're going to have them this season or you have to wait to next season. You just don't know. So a lot of teams are probably hesitant because of that fact. They don't, the, the league still has to rule on what they decide to do with Deshaun. That goes to my point where you, you talk about the league and, and they're ruling, you know, however many games it's going to be. Um, these are the people that were able to find Tom Brady's jersey after a Super Bowl in like a week. Um, so the fact that we're still sitting here wondering what's the league going to do? Why is the league dragging their feet? Like, why why don't they make their ruling? Because in the league for, you know, whether right or wrong is going to make rulings, whether he's guilty or innocent. And that's, yep. that's what they're going to do. They're going to, you know, they're just going to do it. Why haven't they done it yet? You want to make a guess as to where he ends up? I, Pittsburgh is an interesting option, but where do you think this eventually lands? Well, I think Miami was his, his top choice uh, when, when he mentioned it. And the thing that that's unique about Deshaun is he has a no trade clause in there. So he just, he really determines where he wants to go and where he doesn't want to go. So he can pick and choose his spots. And I think, I think his number one spot, you know, according to reports is Miami. So uh, that's, that may be a good fit for him. I, I'm not sure if they're in love with Tua down there at quarterback. So that could be, that could be a possibility for him. I, um, you know, I hadn't really thought about it. Obviously South beach is calling. Um, and I think, you know, for any young guy, um, South beach is a fantastic place to go. But the way that Orlando kind of threw out Pittsburgh and, you know, made it sound reasonable, um, <laughs> I, I think, like, when you look at, especially if you think of organizations, so, you know, as a ball player who has a no-trade clause in there and he can decide, do you want to go to the Miami Dolphins organization or do you want to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers organization? One of them has six rings. One of them has no rings. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking you might want to go to the solidified um, knowing that you probably are going to have a suspension. You got to wait it out. Big Ben's already there. He could probably teach you a couple of things um, while you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs. Um, that, to me, if I were looking at it, if I, if I had to say, all right, I'm a quarterback, I'm going to get traded of the two, where do I want to go? Um, Miami, definitely for the city, but Pittsburgh for the organization. And just listening to you guys talk about this, it just seems like, look, we, we separate real life from, from the football. And that, is that, is that fair? Like, that's how you guys kind of look at like, look, man, I, I'm dealing with what's going on on this hundred yard field in practice on Sundays. That's how I'm judging you. The rest of it, like I, I'm, I'm here to try to win and, and that's it period. So I don't like the morality of all of it. You, you don't really go there. So that's what I'm hearing. Well, I, I think it's tough. I think when you look at it, um, you know, obviously there's civil cases, if there's something criminal, I think we all kind of look at it a little differently in terms of, you know, obviously what 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 that crime was. Uh, but, you know, in terms of, you know, once that's all settled off the field, man, once you're in our locker room, we're going to we're going to put our arms around you and try to go win some ball games. So that's our main focus 
you know, obviously once every, once the off the field issues are done uh, and then you got to just be a good person, a, a good player and, and be, you know, involved in our, in our locker room and be a good teammate. So that's the way I view it. Uh, once you're on the field, we're all trying to win a game. So. Yeah. To me, I think um, morality and civil and criminal um, are all very different things than the locker room um, because I don't need to, a, I need you to be, you know, on the right side of the law. That one, first and foremost, like, you know, those things, you got to be on the right side. But when it comes down to civil and, and all that other stuff, everything going off the field, we don't have to be best friends off the field. Um, you know, I, I, my family doesn't have to hang out with your family. I don't care what you do in your own time, as long as you're, you know, abiding by the standard that we all live by, the law. Um, that really doesn't bother me. I don't care. Like, if you're going out to a nightclub till 3 a.m. every morning, and just having a grand old time, or you're, you know, at home with two kids and you're in bed by 9 p.m., you know, reading your Bible. I, I don't care either way, um, as long as you're performing on the field um, and staying within the law. I think that's where the big key comes in is, you know, when you're doing criminal acts and you're out there and there's, there's things coming um, that you have to deal with, you know, in, in the court of law and, you know, the settlements and everything, that's when it gets a little dicey. But after that, like, I, I really don't care, you know, how you spend your life as long as it's not, A, not affecting me, and you still perform at a high level. Yeah, and I, and I think as players, if a, guy like, if a guy like Deshaun comes into a locker room, we don't want to be a distraction. I mean, we don't want him to be a distraction to us, where we're answering questions about, you know, what do we think about, you know, Deshaun in that particular situation, or especially, so you have to be in a stable locker room, like a Pittsburgh Stiller. The Miami Dolphins, I'm not sure if they're, they're, they're ready to handle that type of distraction coming into their locker room. So that all has to be taken in, into account when you when you bring a guy in that is having the off-the-field troubles the way Deshaun is. You guys made me think of Randy Moss coming into New England. Like, there was always stuff around Randy. He got to New England, nothing. Yep. 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 Straight performance. Yep. So, yep. yeah. And Hall of Famer. All right, let's move on. We're going to look at some fan bases today. And uh, Orlando, you're going to be a little challenged here because, uh, yeah, that that St. Louis <laughs> part of the Rams fan base is, can't be the answer right now. But uh, no. we, we, we want to know out there, fans want to know, which team has the best fan base in the NFL? Now, you can be biased here if, if you'd like, Nick, but uh, let's, let's, let's try to uh, give an honest assessment. Why don't, why don't we start with you, Mr. Mangold? All right, I'm not going to be a homer. So when we say the best and worst, are we talking about the worst as in having to deal with them as a player coming into an away stadium or the worst is they don't care about their team and it, it doesn't really matter where we, what are we thinking I, on that? Cause I got, I, I got different answers for each category. I think you can tackle both, but I think it's your own criteria, but for me, it's just wouldn't want to play there. Cause you don't have a lot of support. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, when I'm talking about the worst, I'm looking at, um, for me, the worst of playing against is the Oakland. Well, not sorry. The Las Vegas Raiders. Um, (laughs) they are terrible. Uh, those fans are ridiculous, you know, throwing batteries at people. Um, I'm also looking at Philly. They boo Santa. Um, (laughs) that's a terrible fan base. I don't, I don't like them at all. I also just don't like the city of Philly. I love your cheesesteaks. I don't like Philly. Um, You're going to get some hate from Philly. Yeah, but I do love a good chili, uh, Philly cheesesteak. Um, 
I also think for caring about a team, I think the Miami Dolphins, their fan base doesn't really care about their team. Um, there's too much to do in South Beach. Uh, a lot of times when we go down there to play um, the Jets first, the Dolphins, we always joke that Miami is the sixth borough um, because it was usually <laughs> more Jets fans than Dolphins fans. Even when we weren't so great, um, the Jets fans still came out. Um, as far as best fans go, I think the smartest fans, um, I will put this out there, is Indianapolis. Um, when we played there um, against Peyton in a playoff game, uh, that fit, it was so loud when we were on offense, and it was eerily silent when they were on offense. Like you could hear sitting on the bench, you could hear Peyton making his checks. That fan base knew what to do. They knew um, when to when to be cheering, when not to be cheering. Like it was it was impressive to watch. Um, other diehards, Green Bay Packer fans, uh, are, are you know it's just you have nothing else going on around Green Bay, so these people like they just love you know the Packers, um, and of course the Jets fans are the best fans in the world. Um, I'm contractually obligated to say that, so uh, that is my that's my take on the fans. Yeah, I think I think Nick uh, sort of covered the entire board in terms of the worst fans. Um, in terms of the, you know obviously where we we get a chance to play, but I'm I'm gonna tell you a, a fan base that he didn't mention, the Bills Mafia man. Anytime you're jumping off of tables, <laughs> jumping off trucks under tables, breaking tables, man, that is some that is different passion for your ball to, ball club, man. And uh, now obviously they got it rolling, but you know they're they are all about Buffalo and, and winning, you know, doing crazy stuff in terms of their fan base. The Cleveland Browns is another one. Even when they were losing, we're still kind of selling out. They miss football, love football up there. Um, one of the, the places I hated playing, and, and, and to, to, to Nick's point in terms of this, how smart a, a, a fan base is, the Seattle Seahawks going up there trying to they, – they, they embraced the 12th man, going up there trying to, you know, being an offensive lineman, trying to hear the play from your quarterback, the snap count – it made it extremely difficult to, to have some success up there. So they're passionate, they're loud, um, you know, and, and then obviously, um, you know, LA Rams, man, uh, they're, they're coming along in that new stadium out there. And I'm like, Nick, I am, I am contracted to say that they are the best fans out there in the NFL, man. Did, did it feel different in Chicago your one year Orlando? It, now, no, no, those are those are really passionate fans of Chicago too, man. Being being from a playing most of my career in a smaller market in St. Louis, when you go to Chicago, man, it is a different world, man. Everybody has an opinion. There's a ton of media outlets, and every and you have to win a certain way, or, they, or, they'll, or they'll destroy you in the media. But those fans are passionate. They love their they love their Chicago Bears, and and they'll let you know when when you're not playing well. Hardest stadium to play in? I think we covered it here, uh, but are, are you saying Seattle? I am saying for me, for me, it was Seattle, uh, you know, just because you can't hear anything from the from the first snap to the last snap. And you're guessing on snap counts and trying to figure out your offense. And, you know, guys are getting off the ball really quick. So that's always been a, a, a tough, a tough place to play for me. And then Philly, uh, Philly's tough, too, because. They're throwing things at you. They just doing a, They're just doing all kinds of stuff, yelling, screaming, booing Santa Claus, all that stuff. And they they really embrace that culture out there. So I, I didn't like going to Philly as well. Yeah, I would. Um, I'm gonna stick with. Uh, I'm, I'm with uh, Orlando on Seattle. Seattle is a very loud place to play. It's it's crazy difficult. 
um, to hear anything that's going on. But I still, I'll never forget we were playing in when we were playing in Indy, and it was a playoff game. And it was me and uh, Alan Fanica, and we're sitting there in the huddle. We get the play call, and Alan's screaming at me, and I'm screaming at him. We're right next to each other. It's my left guard, and I can't hear what he's saying. Like I see his mouth moving, but I can't. Like I, it, nothing was coming out. So like it, it really made us rely on you know, what we did during that week and what we've done over the season of knowing, all right, listen, we both know exactly what we have to do. We need to do it because communication is not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about Indy, man. I, we were playing there Monday night, left tackle. And you imagine you can't hear anything and Dwight Freeney screaming on, on the edge. You're like, dude, this, I mean, it's just, it, it just mentally drains you just from being in that atmosphere for three, four hours playing football and, you're just trying to you're just trying to get out and do your job, and you can't hear a thing, man. So, Indy is another one of those places. Great stuff. Let's uh, let's do our buy or sell for this week's segment. Just quick bang bangers here. Uh, don't need to go in depth. So, Robert Salah, Nick, he's a good coach. Yes or no? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna buy that. I'll say I'll say yes. Orlando, you giving him the benefit of the doubt? I am. Yes. Uh, year one, first first head coach, absolutely. Yep. All right, we'll start with you on this one, uh, Orlando. Sam Darnold is a good starting quarterback. I yes, I think he is. I think he just needs to get an opportunity. I do. I'm still riding with the Sam Darnold. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> I thought I thought he had something, and then I realized his first three wins were the Jaguars, the Jets, and the Giants, um, and it's just been downhill from there. So I'm done. I think he's. Uh, Unless something really drastically happens, I think he's just going to be a great career backup. <laughs> oh, the punt. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. The Chiefs are Super Bowl contenders, Nick. No. Um, they might be playoff contenders, but as far as the Super Bowl goes, uh, they're definitely down the list. No, no, for me, that defense, uh, you've never seen the Super Bowl team with that type of defense. Uh, no for me. Baker Mayfield, Orlando. Should we pay him 30, 40 million? That's what it's going to be. You paying Baker. I'm going to say no, but just obviously just process of elimination. You have to pay him that because that's what the market, what's your, what's your number two option after that? Right. So, but just simply because that's the only guy out there, you don't have to pay him market rate, but I do say no. I'm going to say yes, because you have to, um, you know, you have a quarterback, you got to pay, you know, market rate. I don't think he's going to be astronomical in a Patrick Mahomes type contract, but he's definitely going to get paid off um, where he is a high paid quarterback. Rams didn't feel like they had to pay Jared Goff. They had to give up a bunch of first round picks to get out from under that one. Uh, although they did get Matthew Stafford. Speaking of the lions, by the way, Nick, the lions will win a game this year. Yes, they will. Over under is two and a half right now on Detroit, by the way, uh, Orlando. You, you got them winning a game? Yes. As a matter of fact, they were going to be my upset pick this week, but I think they're going to win this week in Philly. That's, that's my that's – my, I'm not picking them, but I think they're, they're going to get their first win. All right. Since you're jumping from the Lions, let's get into our picks this week, which was – last week you guys were fantastic. Orlando, you were 3-0. and uh, Nick, 2-1. and uh, your one loss last week, you, you took the Houston Texans, which the, congratulations on just saying Texans, uh, even though they were getting a thousand points, uh, the Cardinals still covered. But uh, right now, Orlando is 10 and nine on the year. So that is plus 0.1 units. Uh, you're still making money if you're betting with Orlando. Nick, you're 13 and six plus 
1-800-522-5583. Depending on your unit level, hey, you're, uh, you're making some money, perhaps some big money with Nick. And by the way, go to WinBet for all your gambling needs, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T.com. Uh, Orlando, we're going to let you go first here since you were 3-0 and last week. Give us your pick of the week. Yeah, I'm going Tampa Bay minus five over the New Orleans Saints. I think Tampa Bay is rolling right now, playing really good offense. Tom's doing his thing. Defense playing well. Uh, and then New Orleans had that. They were out in Seattle late uh, Sunday, Monday night. Sunday, Monday night. So they got a they got a road trip back to New Orleans. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough week for them. Tampa Bay minus five. All right. So I'm looking at uh, for me pick of the week. I don't understand this line at all. Um, doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm obviously missing something from Vegas, but I am taking the Titans minus one over the Colts. How the Titans are only minus one over the Colts um, makes no sense whatsoever. I think they're going to run all over them. Uh, it's going to be a bloodbath. So I am going Titans minus one versus the Colts. That's a good pick. You are with the public on that one, just for the record. 68% of the money right now going on at Tennessee. All right, from our pick of the week, we move along to our upset of the week. Nick, it's, you're up, my brother. All right, so this is where uh, Orlando and I are going head-to-head. Upset of the week, I got the Saints plus five versus the Buccaneers. Um, I think their defense is playing fantastic. Um, coming home to the Superdome, they're playing on Halloween. There's going to be costumes galore. Fans are going to be crazy. Uh, it's going to be a wild time in New Orleans. I think the Bucks aren't going to be able to handle it. Um, I have my fingers crossed for Jameis. That's a big part of this bet. Like, we need to see good Jameis, not bad Jameis. But I got Saints plus five as my upset of the week. Yep. My upset of the week is a Thursday night special. Green Bay getting six and a half over Arizona, which is a pretty, pretty good game. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to come out. No way he loses uh, on, a, on a national televised game. I know he's not going to have Adams. I think he's in protocol, but I still think he comes out uh, and makes it a game. It'll be a lot closer than six and a half. So I'm going Green Bay, six and a half. Good, 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 good. Yeah, it's always good to get a, a Super Bowl contender as, as an, an upset candidate here. But uh, interesting, you look at the, the, the money on that one, it's uh, 42% on Green Bay. So people are actually kind of riding with Orlando. Versus nobody is riding with you on, on the Saints, Nick, which is why I like your bet a lot. <laughs> Be alone, Wolf. It's it's a great way to go. All right, over-unders, team. Let's wrap it up. For me, it's the uh, the Dallas Cowboys versus the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going under the 55 points. Uh, you know, obviously, it's the, it's, the, it's the highest point total on the board. Uh, Cowboys coming off a bye. I think they, uh, you know, it'll be a close game, but I don't think they'll get close to that 55 points. Interesting. Uh, I don't know about that. I think the Cowboys are going to come out hot. But uh, my over-under is the Bears versus the 49ers, um, two teams that are just uh, trudging along uh, with nothing to play for. I'm actually going back to the under. I don't like it, um, but I'm doing it. 39.5 seems like a no- low number. Seems like they're telling me to take the over. Um, this failed me three weeks ago but I'm back to the well. I'm taking the under 39 and a half bears, 49ers. No one's scoring points. I mean, based on the quarterback play last week, that's a, feels like a solid play. Fields was awful and Garoppolo was borderline worse. We are on to week eight. 
great uh, to be with you today and uh, hope everybody enjoyed the show as per always. Big Man Bats is here with you and check out Bet Sided, doing phenomenal work. And of course, WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T.com for all your gambling needs. Enjoy the games and gentlemen, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see you next week. Continued success to both of you. Stay positive. Stay positive.